Welcome to Hustle and Pro, talking sports from youth to pro, bringing you stories and insight from athletes, coaches, professionals, and fans, all with the common thread of sports. I'm your host, Kelly Walker, coming to you from Visual Learning Solutions in Frisco, Texas. On this episode, we're getting some professional input on sports injuries and why it seems like some linger for a lifetime. Uh, joining us today is Stephen LaPlante, the team leader for Sports Rehab at Children's Health Andrews Institute. Welcome back to Hustle & Pro, Stephen. Hey, thanks Kelly for having me back. Yeah, last time was a little different setup, right? It was a long time ago, it feels like. We were talking about baseball, youth, youth baseball injuries. Youth baseball. Uh, and I yeah. think I was sitting in the hospital, maybe in your office, and so now it's, yeah. it's we've, we've changed a lot since then. So I appreciate your time coming back on with us. Absolutely. All right, so this all st this conversation stemmed from a Cowboys game, and I was watching, and they put something up on the screen about Dak Prescott's calf and ankle and how it all kind of related, and I messaged you immediately. I said, what's all this about, and can, can you come on the podcast and talk me through this? So we saw Dak recover from the catastrophic ankle injury, obviously, and then come back to camp, and then immediately he had a shoulder tweak. Then now um, he's, he's okay, but he then had... Um, the calf injury in the fall. So what are your thoughts on how that the one thing like the ankle injury can then have a ripple effect and then cause these other parts of the body to have issues? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know all the specifics of course about Dak's case. Um, sure. you know, is there a chance, is there a likelihood there's a ripple effect? Yeah. Um, 100%. And I can kind of relate it back to like my experience with baseball. Um, like we know that there there's this kinetic chain right so you have from the the, the ground up i always tell parents like you know it's baseball is really not a, an arm game it's really a leg and core game um and so like having like a calf injury or like a like a foot injury for sure would, would possibly lead to some stuff up the chain right so like not being able to to produce enough force um you know through the stance leg we see this in pitchers all the time uh really cool story actually this has probably been 12 or 13 years ago I had a, a colleague of mine that worked professional baseball and they were telling me about it. I had a pitcher shoulder pain, just couldn't get over it. Uh, they did everything, you know, in the book they could think of. And, uh, you know, like three weeks into his rehab, he's still not able to pitch without pain. And the guy goes, you know, I've been having this like ingrown toenail on my big toe on my right side. And he's right-handed pitcher. And they were like, Whoa, all right. So they fixed the, the toe and the shoulder pain goes away. And I think that was like the first moment in my career now, like 16 years where it was like, wow, this is like a really big, big picture. Like we can't just look, I think a lot of therapists look at the joints above and below, and that's kind of what we're taught in school. So, you know, you have an ankle injury, we're going to look at the knee, we'll probably look at the hip, but like no one really goes up and looks at the shoulder or nobody really connects the dots through understanding like how things like interabdominal pressure or like, you know, being able to like turn on certain muscles at certain times, like kinetic linking and, and sequencing and timing. And all those things are going to be affected um by an injury like to the calf or the ankle so yeah wow. I, I think it's possible and i think it's probably pretty likely yeah i mean it sounds like it that example is crazy that the toe and not even like yeah. a bone probably a broken toe right. like a toe nail so oh, is yeah. it i mean i'm kind of assuming that like because of that pain it's just a slight adjustment and shift in his body mm -hmm. and then that is changing some mechanism and like the way he's throat like is it that it's that slight that from a toe that can throw the mechanics off enough to cause like a soft tissue pain or something like that. Yep, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like 
if all of a sudden I can't push from the ground because when I do, I have pain, I'm not going to utilize that ground reaction force. So the only way that I can throw the ball really hard, I'm going to have to push from something. And oftentimes that's the shoulder. And that's Use I mean, the arm more. 80, 90% wow. of the kids that I'm seeing in baseball that are youth athletes, um, you know, it's, it's a problem, not necessarily with their legs, but I would argue like there's some hip stuff, there's some core stuff. And so they tend to push the ball a little more than, you know, your, your advanced collegiate or pro guy that's just using that kinetic sling to use the, you know, it, it's really efficient. Uh, it becomes inefficient when, um, when you have an injury like that. So then the shoulder and training camp we saw with Dak, that could have been a fluke tweak that could have happened any day any, to anybody, but it also could have been impacted from, you know, the ankle, coming back from the ankle and using yeah. it differently and shifting his body weight. That's so fascinating. So um, we've seen plenty of cases where one major injury kind of keeps giving an athlete problems. Um, so some of the ones that come to mind for me, like Tiger, Tiger's knee, and I want to probably talk about that more in a minute if you have any insight into that. Um, and then, like, I think back to seeing um, Willis McGahee's awful knee injury uh, when he was in college and then real, later realizing that um, he had torn his ACL in high school. And so I thought, well, maybe that weakens it. And, you know, I mean, he got hit hard. But but there's there's all these instances that, that sometimes that these players can't get over. And a lot of the time it does feel like a knee. So what are, you know, what are your examples or thoughts on on these these major injuries that, that seem to linger for a long time? Yeah, I have I actually have some insight into the Tiger um, injuries and some of his injuries in the past, just from you know the industry that I'm in. Uh, there's a lot more complexities to, to the Tiger issue than than most people kind of realize. I think you know, of course, ACL wasn't something you want to happen, but you know, anytime you have an injury, um, it increases your risk to have another injury, right? So the number one predictor of injury is previous injury. So when these parents come in and they have a kid in my clinic and you know they're 12 years old and they've already got shoulder pain, like. I tell them there's a pretty good likelihood that we're going to continue to see this issue, or maybe we're going to have an elbow problem later on. So, of course, you know, as therapists and as you know, as a parent myself, I think the best thing is to not get to that point. But of course, in sports, you can't control everything. So, those traumatic events um, where someone gets hit in the leg and they tear their ACL or they break their tibia or something happens, like that's just part of the game. But it's that non-contact stuff that we we really want to focus on. Um, I think a good guy to talk about is Demarcus Cousins. Um, so, like in 2018. Uh, I think he had a, he had an Achilles tendon rupture in 2018. Took a year to get back. The following year in the playoffs, I think he strained his same quad, left quad, and then fast forward a year, left ACL tear. Like to me, that's definitely significant. Um, yeah. You know, same leg, same type of injury. So the question becomes: Was he fully recovered um, from each one of those injuries? You know, we always talk about symmetrical balance and things like that, but. Um, I think he's a really interesting case to talk about, you know, compared to so a lot of other guys too. First was um, the Achilles with him. That that was the first major yeah, thing. Yeah, 2018 I believe was Achilles. 2019 was a quad tendon, not necessarily a rupture, but an injury. And then about I think about a year later, it was the last season he tore his ACL. I've always kind of thought. Obviously, I'm not a professional, and I have no reason to know this or think this. But I've always thought that Achilles pops or tear because of like it's being affected by some other thing going on in the body. Um, like, I, I mean, unless it just randomly does pop, but I don't know. I always feel like it's being stressed or something from something else. So when you say that was the first thing, that kind of surprises me. But then, yeah, I mean, that seems like it would definitely have a long-lasting impact on other parts. Because isn't that recovery from Achilles one of the longer recovery times? Yeah. 
takes about so demarcus took almost a full year i think it was like 357 days before he got back uh to playing um you know kobe you know rest in peace he um he had the i believe he had the acl and then he had the achilles second um if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong but you know you tend to see that um and basketball is such an impactful sport you know the the floor is not very forgiving it's just yeah one of the hardest things to come back from i think is the achilles Uh, acl and besides that relatively figured out but Achilles is tough. And the sides that their bodies are so just built, they're so tall in their ankles and the, the yeah, stress oh yeah, on their yeah. joints, right? Yeah. Okay. So going yeah, back to the Tiger Woods men. thing. I mean, yeah. I, um, just about the Tiger Woods thing. So you said you had insight. So when I was thinking about this, I kind of wanted to look and see. Um, his knee injuries go back to the 90s. He, in 94, his left knee, he had surgery to remove scar tissue and two tumors. In 2002, same knee, removed a cyst and had fluid drained around a ligament. Uh, four years later, in 2006, a left shoulder blade muscle injury, then the next year, ruptured the ACL in the same knee again, running, just running, um, and had surgery mm-hmm. the following year. Two months later, reconstruction of that knee. Uh, six months later, Achilles tendon tear on his other leg. That right. sounds like, a, I mean, it's a long period of time, but um, that's a, a lot on his, specifically on his knees. Yeah, it's a lot. What um, insight do you more, have into his his knee injuries? Um, I don't have as much into the knee. You know, he had all the back stuff too that kept him out of golf for a pretty mm-hmm. long time. Um, I don't want to give too many details, just to like protect like any kind of HIPAA stuff. But like, I'll sure. just say that there could have been maybe some better management of his um, his programming and some stuff. Um, just kind of knowing what I know. Uh, I don't know much about the knee, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like when people start having meniscectomies and they start getting the, the meniscus kind of cleaned out in the knee, like two to three years later, they're back for another meniscectomy. And then, you know, four years later, they're back for another meniscectomy. I'm like, how much is left in there to take out? Like, it's it's not a great surgery, but um, especially in the knee, I mean, there's so much that happens from like rotational forces and, and not having those structures intact or working properly. It's just kind of a, a repetitive, keeps happening, keeps happening over and over and over again. Um, yeah. And we and see I would this think in, the, when, in the youth athlete too. What's up? So, yeah. So what do you see? I mean, that's obviously like example of the top level of, of athlete. Yeah. Um, what do you see in the youth level as far as these repetitive like knees and probably also causing back? You say hips a lot. I'm guessing that is, yeah. is common to see. Yeah, so statistically, research says that um, particularly in the female athlete, um, they have about a 20% chance to tear the contralateral leg um, by returning to sport, and then about a 10% chance to tear the one that was already repaired. Um, those are pretty high numbers, and that's something we're all trying to curb, of course, on the rehab side of it, and something that we do at our facility that's kind of unique is that bridge program where you know, we're really trying to take them from rehab back to their their performance level and using exos performance center as our kind of midway point to say hey you know you need to get a little strong you need to get a little bit better you know don't get so excited about going back to your sport we need to kind of really build your foundation before we get back um that's that's such a big piece i mean honestly kelly probably the biggest issue is i think people are getting returned to sport without being ready i don't think we're, we're clearing them properly it's more of a well it's a timeline right so you're nine months out from acl you should be able to go back to sport well prove it to me like, show me how they look, show me how they move, show me what they, you know, there's so much to it. And I think we just, we don't do a good enough job, personally. I mean, that's why those numbers are so high. 
Yeah. Um, and I general. think sometimes we're in this weird culture of, oh, the doctor says nine months. I can do it if I work really hard and I'm going to get back in eight because my season starts in eight or whatever it is, or they're yeah. personally just going to push themselves harder or if it's a, from a parent or a coach, whatever it is. Um, yeah. And that's sad. And that's probably a big, a big problem with what you're talking about. So I want to yeah. um, talk more about some other major injuries and, and examples. We're going to take a quick break to hear from a sponsor. We'll come back and continue the conversation about athletes who are able to recover from some of those major injuries and come back even stronger. This episode is brought to you by I-9 Sports. I-9 Sports helps kids succeed in life through sports. Their leagues are perfect for boys and girls ages 3 to 14 with convenient one-day-a-week formats for practices and games on the same day. I-9's leagues and clinics are available in football, soccer, basketball, baseball, volleyball, zip lacrosse, and more. Learn more at i9sports.com. I-9 Sports, the way youth sports should be. Welcome back to Hustle & Pro. We're talking to Stephen LaPlante, the team leader for sports rehab at Children's Health Andrews Institute. So in the cases where a major injury, even one that kind of requires surgery or major rehab, um, does not have lasting effects, I'm curious, like, why is that? Like, why are some athletes able to come back better than ever, it seems like? Like, I automatically think of somebody like Tom Brady, who keeps his body healthy overall. Um, but then, you know, he had an ACL tear and MCL back in 2008. So um, what, like, Stephen, what are some of the steps that have to be taken uh, to make these sports injuries not affect you later on? I, it all starts with good rehab. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that a lot of the cases that are getting back and getting re-injured, they're just not getting what they need in a rehab setting and probably not transitioning from the rehab back to the field uh, appropriately. And like I said, we mentioned earlier, like rushing that process and doing it faster because we want to kind of beat our best friend who did it in nine months, but I think I can do it in eight. Coach pressure, things like that. Um, and, and yeah, Tom, geez, that guy, his regiment, like if you kind of have the backstory for that, he he invests so much time and effort and energy into his body. But like, that's why he's continued to play at a high level, even with injuries. Um, Drew Brees was another one, right? So like major shoulder dislocation, like. You know, I, I know Dr. Andrews who did the surgery and I, it's kind of like a myth, right? It's like, I've heard 13 anchors. I've heard like 15 anchors. I've heard like 17 anchors. I don't even know you can put that many in there. It's kind of like a, a growing myth. Every time I talk to Dr. Andrews, how many anchors he had, but you know, the secret to his rehab, really good therapy, great therapist that worked with him. The guy was there five days a week, twice a day on the weekends, working on his own. You know, these guys are, it's a seven day committal process to them. Um, so like when these youth athletes are trying to beat or, or at least kind of meet where the uh, the pro athletes get back to, like they're not getting into rehab five days a week. They're not doing two right. days. Like they just can't do it. But yet we continue to hold them at the same level or the same time frame. And I think that's kind of kind of a, a bad thing to do. Definitely very difficult to do that. Um, but that's kind of the secret sauce for those guys that have stayed in is taking care of your body, right? Like making sure you're sleeping, you're eating, you're hydrating. Like it goes way deeper than just being in the rehab clinic or working out or, or any of that stuff. Uh, it, it's a total yeah. body commitment. That's a good point, though, when you talk about a youth athlete might see their their star recover from a similar injury and they think, oh, I can I can have that timeline as a goal. But they're not able to rehab in the same schedule at all. I mean, yeah. and their bodies aren't built the same way, probably with the same amount of strength and be yeah. able and, you know, to be able to do that. But 
but they do hold themselves to that standard and it, it isn't uh, realistic probably. So I had never really thought about that, that for youth athletes, tack on a little more time because they can't be in there twice a day or for as many hours a day and usually with the same care probably um, focusing on that because they have they have lives as, as students or, or you know all the other things they're doing in their day. Um, right. So I want to get your input on the no pain, no gain mantra. Um, and is that harmful um, if that means that youth athletes are pushing through painful issues? Because I, I kind of want to know like what can that come back and look like later? I've heard that it maybe can come back and look like arthritis, right? If, if we let something like that, an injury like that, um, go untreated or unseen. So what are your thoughts on the no pain, no gain mantra that we see with some of these youth athletes? Yeah, I think you had to look at like the history of that, that phrase, right? Like I think growing up, we heard that all the time. Uh, no pain, no gain, you know, push through the pain. And I think we survived in that mantra because we weren't playing the volume that the kids are now. Um, mm -hmm. We also know too from tons of research that like pain inhibits motor function. And what I mean by that is like, if you go out and you fall on your knee and then the next day you try to go run and anyone who's done this or you know, had any kind of little injury, it alters how you move, right? And so any of those alterations set you up for failure. That's the whole, I had an injury, now I'm starting injury because I haven't fully recovered from the previous injury. Um, so you have to kind of look at it like there is some value in that because some of the kids that we see in the clinic, there's something called grit that they don't have. Like they haven't been pushed. They haven't been told to kind of go through things. And you see that on the rehab process. Like those kids are the ones that struggle early on. They have a lot of pain. They just aren't able to kind of push through it. Um, so I think there's some positives to that mantra, but if you look at it now where these kids are being told that, you know, especially I'll, I'll use youth pitchers because that's a lot of what I deal with. The kid's right. on the mound, it's a Saturday and he's pitching, he starts having shoulder pain. All right, they may take him out. You know, he throws the next day, still having a little bit of shoulder pain. Uh, this process continues, continues, continues until two, three weeks later, now the kid's developed, you know, little league shoulder. And, you know, had you just pulled him out and let him rest and not kept pushing, pitching, pitching, uh, the kid's probably going to be okay. But I think we're always kind of like, and you hear it from parents and coaches, you know, just keep going, you know, you're going to be fine until they end up in my clinic and I'm telling them they can't throw for six to 12 weeks. And then they're like, what do you mean? We have this major tournament. He's got a pitch. He's the best pitcher on the team. Um, you know, they kind of create the problem. Unfortunately, when they have that no pain, no gain, and they make it a bigger problem than it probably could have been had they just come in and got some rehab arrested. Right. And so if it's if it's a tear or a problem that they're not going and getting seen for, does that come back as arthritis or scar tissue and things like that? That then's going to it's going to be more pain down the road and like longer lasting. Yeah. So the studies that we have out there, especially and I'll relate it back to the ACL because uh, there's more studies on that than anything else. Uh, 50 to 90 percent of ACLs will develop some form of osteoarthritis within five to seven years after their injury. So I don't think people understand those repercussions that like your child's 13, but by the time they're in their maybe 18 or 20, they've got a whole nother, you know, sequelae of, of events that's going to happen in their knee where they may need additional surgery or they may need a meniscus surgery or a meniscectomy, which is a, not a great surgery anyways. Um, I don't think we can see that long-term issue. It's everything's just current in the moment. Like we got to get back to sport. We got to do it fast. Well, that's part of the problem is when we return kids too fast and they don't have enough quadriceps function or they don't move properly, that's going to deteriorate that joint even more. So there's this whole sequence of events that happens after an injury that yes, absolutely can lead to long-term consequences. So you specifically said pain inhibits motor function. 
when you're in a setting with you guys and you're having them push through the pain, obviously that's controlled and you know why, you know, it's, they're supposed to push through it. So then yeah. how do we know either as parents, there's a whole different thing as parents, but also just as ourselves, our own bodies, how do you know when like a crackle or a pop, you know, you always hear kids say something pops that you hear or feel is more than something to just wait out and see versus like going in and getting it taken care of immediately. It's, it's, so, that's one of the hardest things I feel like to know when, when to take action. Yeah, no, I, I kind of screwed that up last year with my daughter. She, um, she ran into like a doorway or something and like hit her pinky and I was like, ah, oh, it's probably okay. And you know, two days later it's bruised and swollen and I, you know, she's walking on it and you know, I'm, I don't think anything's wrong. Take her in. She gets x-ray. She has a, a fifth metatarsal fracture. Um, you know, it's like, I, I think as a parent, you're always like, oh, just tough it out, tough it out. Uh, and sometimes yeah. we, we kind of miss that, uh, that bullseye. Sometimes I did it myself. Now, granted two weeks later, she was running around like nothing was wrong, but, um, I've, yeah, I've missed one. that bullseye twice with my kids, with each kid yeah. complaining of a broken bone and, you know, they complain about, or they think everybody thinks they break something, especially when you're kids. Cause you think it's fun. And, um, when it happened to my daughter, she was actually at a doctor's house who said she looked fine. Just like you thought, oh, she's probably fine. I mean, she just rolled it or whatever. Um, but then, of course, it is it is fractured. And I'm the mom who made her walk around for two or three days. Same with my son, breaking an arm on the playground. Nurse thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. Send him to a football practice, a soccer practice. <laughs> a couple days later, take him in. It's broken. So there's no guilt like the guilt of realizing you've yeah. made your child suffer through a broken bone without letting somebody look at it. So it happens yeah, to I, all of us, I but I'm glad to know it happens to you too. Yeah, as a therapy, yeah, I, I screwed up. Um, yeah, because they complain all the time, right? They're always, you know, something hurts, something hurts. You're like, it's fine, it's fine. I think when it goes on past three or four days or it's getting worse, like you got to go do something about it. And I think that's part of the problem too is this. So like kids especially are really bad storytellers. Like they really don't like to tell their parents when they're hurt, especially knowing that their expectation is to perform at a high level. Let's say it's a pitcher and they're the starting pitcher for the team, well, they have a little bit of soreness or some pain in their shoulder. They're not going to say anything for a couple of weeks. Then they right. will say something. So technically, it's gone on for way longer than what most of us have known. So if you kind of think about it like that, like if your kid's coming to you with some pain, I'm going to pretty much guarantee they've had that for longer than what they're telling you most of the time. Like unless That's it's like one point. of those acute, like I just rolled my ankle and it's swelled up and, and it's, you know, bruised and swollen. Like that's immediate, right? But like, most kids aren't good about telling us when they're hurt or they don't want to tell us because they don't want to get pulled out of a game and certain things like that. So I think anytime you're ever questioning it uh, and it goes on for a long time, like go get it checked out, go see an orthopedic, come see a physical therapist. Um, my neighbors call me once every two weeks to come look at their kids. I'm sure so, they do. Cause we have a, yeah. a, you know, a resident neighbor who helps look at all of our kids and I'm sure it's super annoying, but that's what happens no, when you, you have a friend or a neighbor who can, you can do a quick assessment for you and you, you get used yeah. and abused to do that for everybody. Well, um, yeah. I know that you're busy there at Children's and uh, lots of youth athletes in the Frisco and Plano and surrounding areas that are coming to you for help and rehab and therapy. So I appreciate you taking time out from your busy workload and uh, caseload and patient load to, to join us today and talk us through some oh, of these you. lingering injuries. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it again. When I see another weird thing happening, I'll message you again and be like, ah, let's come and talk about that next time. So, so thank right. you, Stephen. And thank you cool. all for joining us for this episode of Hustle & Pro. Have you subscribed yet? You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. 
And now you can watch the show because we're on YouTube. Join us on Instagram and Twitter also. However you do find our show, please comment and like and share our show with others. It's easy for you to do and it means a lot to us. We'll see you soon for the next episode of Hustle & Pro.